Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, guys, we're back and I'm sitting in a rainbow room in Nashville. And that's not even a joke. I'm sitting with my lovely friend all the way back to like mommy blogging years, DIY years. Natalie is someone who shares so much in her space, but she's got such a heart and she's such an incredible mom and friend. And we've connected on some really heavy topics over the years. And she's been somebody that I've been able to talk to in private about some of these things. So the fact that she is now going to come forward and have this conversation in a much bigger platform. It just makes my heart so warm. And I know that this is going to be really game-changing for a lot of people listening to it. Again, even if it's not something you struggle with, it's going to be something that's going to help you be a better support to maybe somebody who is. So Natalie, of Take the Cannoli. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe I'm in your house. Like, I'm obsessed with your house. Thank you. Like, literally the walls are rainbow. You walk around and it is like so retro. There's like Dolly Parton pillows. There's a Disney doorknob on her bathroom. It is It is just, and this is not the first space you've done this with. You, you're you known for like your home decorating. Well, yeah. I mean, I just try to create a space that it feels like us. We're very eclectic. My you're husband very and I, eclectic. we're very eclectic and we travel a lot. So we try to bring that space into it. And plus we have kids. And so we don't want it to feel too stuffy. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we totally want to have fun with it that they, you know, it's hard to like make that balance. But yeah. So thank you. I appreciate it. It's very <laughs> cool. How long have you been in Nashville now? Five and a half years. And before, wow. I've literally followed you since you moved. Yeah. Way before that, because you used to always be at Disneyland. Yeah, and I yeah. loved your Disneyland content. <laughs> they had a friggin' seasons pass at Disneyland. They lived that close to it. And oh, it was yeah. always I was a so fun. 15 year pass holder. So, <gasps> I mean, I'm born and raised Southern Californian. So, that you was my life. You brought it to Nashville. I did. I oh brought my a lot of that here. But yeah, so what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Unreal. Wow, time flies. Well, Natalie. 
This is going to be a talk and a half. And I know this is like kind of the first time you're sharing it in this vulnerable space. So like, first of all, thank you. Cause I know that this is when we share in these ways, it's, it's not for us. You always know that like your story has now created purpose. It's going to do something. It's going to move mm-hmm. forward and it's going to make impact. So I'm going to give you this time and this space to kind of share your story and you know, what we're kind of, kind of be diving into today. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for letting me have this opportunity to talk about it. I almost wanted to put like tissue under my armpits because I'm sweating in my own home. I sweat after like a <laughs> like it's, hot You can tell them like it's so winter it's and fine. I'm in a short skirt and a short sleeve shirt because I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in today and you're like, oh, I've never seen you like in all denim. I'm like, I only ever wear dark colors for like reasons. Like I sweat. I'm a sweater and I've just, and, yeah. I'm a sweater. Oh, yeah. anyways. You sweat. Oh, I'm a sweater. Perspire. I perspire. But, That's um, okay. Sweat it out, girl. Yeah. So it's just, I've never talked about it publicly. So Mm. I've touched on it, like you said, on Instagram and opened up and shared pieces of it, my story. You know, I just wanted some things to unfold about what I had gone through and so people to understand like, you know, which I'll get into of of having our miracle baby. Yes. Um, And so that's when I, was the first time I ever opened up about it. And I think there was just a long time that I didn't really feel comfortable talking about it. I was no longer ashamed of my past and mm-hmm. what I had carried through for mm-hmm. so many years, but it wasn't just my story. There's other people involved because my story is so in depth and goes back for, to childhood. Yes, and so I was being respectful to family yep. and like fair. You know what's you know there's yeah. other parts of it, but then yeah. you just get to a point where like, but what happens and the repercussions of the family decisions and things that happen? This is my story and mm-hmm. why I had suffered for so many years yes. after that. Right. So and then too, you don't want to ever be identified as your circumstance. Yes. Oh yes. Right. And I didn't want to be pegged as that girl. Right. And I love that you said that there's even a girl I follow and she's like the girl who fell from the sky. Like her, her whole story is all about her trauma of falling out of an airplane while skydiving. And at some point she was like, guys, I'm done. Like I'm done being identified from my trauma. So I really appreciate you said that because I think that that's so valid to those who choose not to share. Like it is so valid to choose not ever to share whatever your trauma is. And we, we don't owe that to the world. So yeah. And then at the same time, though, I think there's fear behind it when you are choosing not to share, because right, it's your choice. But there's, I feel like there was still shame tied to it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there was still yeah. shame because it was like, well, I was that person. Yeah. And you know, you guys are all probably thinking like, what are you talking about? What yeah. person? And so <laughs> I had an eating disorder for 16 years before seeking recovery. So I actually had an eating disorder for 17 years. Wow. So I've been recovered for eight years. So most Amazing. of my life, so I've been recovered less time than I actually had a dark passenger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But doing the math on this, you had an active eating disorder while married, yes. having children yes. and navigating that. Yes. Which is the one thing we talked about as I walked in here was, it seems like such a space that that hasn't been discussed in. It seems like because there's so much shame tied around motherhood and those things and eating disorder, we often see it. We talk about it in youth. We talk about it in children. We talk about it in teens. And we talk about it in young adults. But like, what about the moms? And what about the women who are middle-aged who are still struggling with this? And so I feel like your story brings a normalcy to those who are struggling in that realm as well. And how old were your kids when you went into recovery? Okay, so I had just had Vernon. So Elsie okay. was two mm-hmm. and Vernon was a few months old, four months, okay. maybe five so months. So truly in your postpartum. Yeah, it was in my postpartum. You know, Instagram still hadn't started no, no, when I had Vernon. And so postpartum depression wasn't talked about. You know what I mean? Like social media, the platform has helped people be more vulnerable, share about things that you didn't know. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like I feel like that's helped people 
with their own things. Like that's a beautiful part, I feel like, of social media, right? Like mm. it helps people not feel alone in their things. I didn't even know what postpartum depression was, right? Oh. And so I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I know people had like baby blues. Mm. And so that's when I actually started recovery because I spiraled after having Vernon, even though I had already, I had had up until that point, 16 years of this right. struggle, right? And so I had used, I actually thought both of my pregnancies would fix me just as I thought like my marriage would fix me, if that makes sense. Because really? it was a Band-Aid. Like my marriage was a Band-Aid for, you know, all my past trauma. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be happy. This is what's going to make me happy. I'm going to be better. Yes. Um, um, but then you have the guilt and shame that just carries with you throughout your marriage. And you just, I felt like my whole life story, my story that I, the lie for myself was, I'm never enough, but I'm always too much. Mm. You know? And so it's like, it, I couldn't win e either way. Who I was was just, bad. Like I was never enough because I never measured up or I never fit in. You know, I will share a little bit about it, but you know, I had, my father was in prison. Oh wow! It's not like I had a dad in and out of prison. I had a great childhood up until that time. Mm -hmm. And my dad was living, you know, kind of had made poor decisions and living kind of a separate life than mm -hmm. outside of the family. We were the family that had the pool. I had all the big birthday parties. I'm the part, oh, like we were like yeah. middle-class family. It wasn't yes. like I had this crazy, scary childhood. It yeah. was literally like amazing. And then Overnight, my world flipped. It was actually the summer before I was 12. So I was 11 and we were making a cake for my dad's birthday. I remember the date. I remember it to the T. Of course. And a knock on the door and I thought it was family or my uncle or something. And it ended up being the SWAT team and FBI crashing through our house. Oh, I'm Helicopters, so sorry. the whole thing. So wow. our life literally, just to fast forward, like, you know, moved from there to a project area, shared a room with my mom for five years, my three brothers in a separate room. So it just was like, nothing was in my control anymore. Right. Family kind of stopped talking to us because it's awkward. We are a charity case for everybody. Mm -hmm. We're now on welfare. And we just let people, I personally let everyone believe my parents were just divorced. Nobody knew my dad was in prison. I had two friends that knew. So I had like the secret of like, you know, it's like just kind of a dysfunctional family right? and hardships and having, to, I had to get a state permit to start working to help my mom because she's like, was a stay-at-home mom. Now she's working yes. part-time. Yes. So me With and my older kids? brother, there's four of us. Four of you. Um, so me and my brother both started working at the end of my freshman year full-time. So I started taking night classes so I could work full-time during the day, during wow. high school. So a lot of that happened and like a lot of childhood and growing up was taken and yes. lost. And so the only thing I could control was eating. And I didn't even realize that. So saying that now is because I understand that from going through grief therapy and mm -hmm. recovery, but I had no idea that's what I was doing. So I, it was like protecting myself. I'm curious because you say that, but it, most of us have this perception that eating disorders stem from body image. Right. And yours stemmed from trauma. Trauma. So would you say you struggled with body image before that? I didn't up until the summer before that happened with my dad when okay. I had friends over and my pool party and they all were like trying on clothes. And like, it was a mean girl thing. And it was definitely like, oh, sorry, we can't trade clothes with you because you can't fit. I was like the husky girl. Like, do you remember when sizes oh, used to yeah. have husky? I was oh, the yeah. husky girl. I know. Um, it's like they didn't know what yeah. word to give they're us. Like, we're they're just gonna, like, what you know you what? You're, we're just going to call it husky. And they're like, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wants to? Now I'm they gonna, call it. I don't even know what they call it I don't now. Think but they, they, call do, it. they do have like, I think usually it's a curve or something. I don't, I don't know, know, but it's I was so husky. Funny. So it's fine. But it didn't, <laughs> but the thing is I was, I was loved and I was confident. Yes. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't ashamed for, it bothered me, but it wasn't like in a way, the thing was all this trauma happened and you start realizing like you don't have an appetite, like mm. visitations start happening. You're waiting for the court to see what, how long your dad's going to be sentenced, which was 22 years, by the way. Is he still in prison? No. Oh, he okay. only served 11 of that. And okay. my parents stayed married. That's a whole different redemption oh. story. My mom, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, so mine wasn't image-based, which is really, really 
crazy, even when going through therapy, they're like, we've never met. This is like a crazy situation where it really was like childhood trauma and grief um, and what I can control, mm. right? And so, and I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I was suppressing myself. I just never felt good enough. I was hiding a secret. Everything's different. I So much responsibility was put on me, watching my brothers working full-time, like just so much that I didn't have a choice in life anymore. And mm-hmm. the only choice I could make was like, what I'm putting in my body. Yes. And then the thing is what happens, it's like that happened in seventh grade. So then now I'm like going into high school, a couple of years, like I started in junior high, not realizing. It wasn't like, I was like, I'm going to be thin. I'm going to stop eating. It was just a pattern of like, I'm not hungry. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, the purging didn't start until mm-hmm. high school. Okay. So, but the thing is, I noticed like a difference when I got in high school, everyone's like, you're so thin, you're so pretty. And so that does make you like- It validates uh, it. It makes me feel like I'm being accepted and I felt mm. so rejected. Okay. Because of our family situation. I was rejected right, from family. Right, right. Even aunts and uncles didn't know how to act around right. us. Like instead of getting Christmas gifts, people gave us like boxes of cereal. Like we became a charity case even yeah. within our family. And it was yeah. just awkward. You could feel it. We felt different. We felt like just, you know, tossed aside technically. And so mm-hmm. finally feeling accepted, that's where it started. Realizing like, well, I have to keep this going because I don't feel loved and accepted from anywhere else. Right. Oh, that does make sense. You know what I mean? It does. No, it totally, totally does. And so then that definitely plays into it. But then you have all the heaviness and the weight because there's so much that I can't go into because we'd be here for all day. Oh, about for sure. About the, just the trauma and what comes with having done in prison and what that looks like and sentence times and traveling all over to go visit and not wanting to see someone that ruined your life and all those things. But I started heavy. I, I carried the burden of like, I have to help provide for my mom, mm. who's a single mom. And I have little brothers. And so I was carrying the weight of the world, literally. And I'm like a 14 and 15. And so I didn't ever learn to process it. We didn't talk about our situation as a family. It was kind of like, these are the cards you're dealt. So yeah. deal with it. And I had such a strong mom who's amazing. Yeah. It's not like she came from like an amazing childhood and with great parents with examples. She Who didn't have that. that? Like, like, we only have what we have and the exactly. tools that we have. So she didn't know how to... God bless her. Like I she didn't have, have the capacity for right. That. She didn't have the capacity to be like, let's talk about this. Let's help process your feelings. Like yeah. this is where it's stemming from. No. So I felt heavy all the time. That heaviness wasn't because I ate pizza with my friends. Mm. That heaviness was because I didn't fit in with my friends. I had a dark secret. I felt worthless. Mm-hmm. And so that purging came from like, oh, I feel fat and I feel heavy. When really it was just the weight of the feelings and the emotions that yes. I didn't know how to process, yes. and no yes. one taught me how. Wow. And so that carried through, like I said, into marriage. Yes. So like my husband, Micah, who's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's the amazing. coolest husband he's on the coolest. Instagram. He is really you the best. You need to look at them there. <laughs> like I need their entire he, wardrobe he's and a to dream. my husband to <laughs> do that same thing. He won't. Like I got him a velvet jacket and he was like, whoa, this is very out there. And I was like, come on. <laughs> Micah has like four, right? Yeah, like all the time. So inspired. It's one of those things, marrying into a family that like, he's like, you know, great family heritage, Christian heritage, good. He never drank, did drugs. He was in a punk rock band. He was like valedictorian. He was like prom king, a cool guy just being cool without, he wasn't a partier. He didn't drink. He was just awesome. He had tattoos when I met him, had moved to California for a punk rock band. So I was like, I'm marrying up. Like I have to prove myself. Like I just never felt even worthy for his family. Because uh, I came yeah. from baggage. My daddy was in prison. Yeah. I came from a dysfunctional family of single, you know what I mean? And yeah. it wasn't really like the, we were a dysfunctional family, but there was dysfunction within mm-hmm. the limits of a single parent home when a dad yes, in prison. Of so yeah. anyway, so even that, so the marriage was just like a, such a struggle and so, so much shame and guilt and trying so hard to be like, I'm not what I know people assume of me. Mm-hmm. I'm so much better. I can yeah. work full time. I can travel. I don't have a degree because I wasn't able to go to college because I was working two jobs. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like my yeah. mom's first house that we got out of the projects in was under my name because I was the one that had. Wow. The best. Yeah. And I was 18. <gasps> 
Oh my goodness. So that just shows you like, I was carrying a big load. A big load. Um, so I was working full-time in a print corporation and waitressing full-time on the side. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to school. I tried and then I got stomach ulcers and all this thing because all the stress. Yeah, and it was one of those much. things like, well, I have to provide so I can't really yeah. go to college. Yeah. Because his family's, you know, theologians and like they all have their degrees and masters and yeah. everybody's like educators in his family, his mom, his aunt, his grandma. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I graduated barely by the skin of my teeth, you know, <laughs> like I'm here for it. But I just, I had a really great resume because I was working from a very young yes. age. And so I was already traveling by 18. I was already account executive positions. I like, you know what I mean? So it's like you. to me, I was, that was like, I wore that as my badge. Like, well, I'm making the money. So mm -hmm. he's touring with the punk rock band for the first two years yeah. of marriage. So obviously I'm doing my part. I'm going to prove myself to everybody. Yes. I'm going to prove my worth. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that doesn't work. No, because that's not does. where your worth lies. Your worth I doesn't know. lie in a job. It doesn't lie in your looks. It doesn't I lie know. in anything. Right. And so that was what happened was like, I just never got better. And so you very much, when you got married, you very much felt like that was going to help the eating mm -hmm. disorder. In oh a yeah. hundred percent. Now, was your husband aware of the eating disorder? No. Cause when we were dating, I actually was in like a, the happiest. I've never felt more loved. Yeah. Yeah. And just accepted for who I am. And he, it was like one of the first out of like maybe 10 people of all these years that knew about yeah. my dad. So just think about that. That's like, yeah. this, at this point, it's already been seven years, eight years. Nobody knows. Like, and now I'm telling this person I really don't know. We only dated for six months and oh got married four months later. So it was That's very amazing. short, like, you know, but he loved me. And even within my circumstance. Yes. He never didn't make me feel shamed. He was almost like, yeah, whoa. Like he made me feel like, kind of like a goddess, right? Like he kind of made me feel like, wow, you are one of those strongest women I've ever met. And that gave me power and gave me a feeling of like self-worth for the first time probably in ever in my life. I love that. That it made me feel, oh wow, like I never saw myself like that. I've, I've always felt myself weak and that I can't help anything. I can't do anything. I'm not good enough. Right. And now to hear like from someone say like, you're one of the strongest people I've ever met. Like yeah. I cannot believe what you've had to endure. Yes. And whoa, yeah. And I was happy. I hadn't purged. On our wedding day, if I show you pictures, like it's the heaviest I actually have ever been in since the wow. 16 years that we've I've so been. you had literally healing through mm -hmm. that. Wow. And then you get married and then like instantly like the lies and mm -hmm. the things you tell yourself and what you feel and what you assume his family thinks of you. And you mm -hmm. assume like he thinks that like, yeah, you married up. Like he, none of those yeah. things are true, but like yeah. it's just a cycle in your head that you're just never going to be good enough. And I think that self-worth, like when we talk about, like, I'm so grateful because I feel like for you to meet Micah, somebody who actually like fed into your self-worth in that way, even if the lies did creep back in. Because I feel like for a lot of people, when they're struggling with low self-worth, when somebody even that is not a good person for them gives them any type of attention or relationship, then they're like, this is as good as it gets for me. And so I better just take it. Like I'm not worth of more. And so it's an important thing to remember that a lot of people get victimized in their low self-worth. And I'm really grateful that that's not been the case for you, that you actually found mm. somebody who built you up. And I think it's a really good reminder of like how important that is. Like if you are struggling with low self-worth, not to get yourself in a relationship where that can be compromised even further, right? Because those lies are going to creep back in and they can be amplified to a bigger degree. I remember like when I was in high school, I remember having thoughts. I was like dating this guy. And I remember thinking like, I just have to be anything that he wants me to be because I don't ever want him to think that I'm not good enough. I don't want the truth to come out. This is what I truly believe. I didn't want the truth to come out of who I was and like him to see that I wasn't worthy of him because I am not worthy of him. 
I'm worthy of Ryan Reynolds if I wanted <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. But I just, I, I just wanted to say that because I think that it's really amazing that that was like kind of like not the break, but just that somebody actually came in and spoke into your worth instead of somebody coming in and victimizing right. you for it, right? Or, right? or kind of manipulating it. I love that. I didn't even, you know, you hear these things and you're like, yeah, that's so true. Like I could have been, I remember my mom's prayer was like, just don't be boy crazy or like settle. And the yes. thing is, I'm like, I didn't have that's time. Funny. I actually probably had only two, you know, I was cute and I was like vintage and yeah. like had good yeah. style, but I was like, I was like the girl next door. Mm -hmm. Like I was a friend of all. Like, I, you know, like yeah. in high school, like there's the girl drama and stuff like that. Like, I, I was friends with the girls. Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like I was never like that person. So I just kind of was a friend of all. But here's the thing. I was working full time. Yeah, I, I didn't have, have time, time for this. Like, and so like, it wasn't like, that wasn't my priority and it wasn't a thing. Like I, of course I wanted it. I wanted to go on these, do these yes. things with my yes. kids, you know? And I, I mean, I did go to parties. I did do things, but it wasn't like, Mm -hmm. what everyone else was. And I, so I think that kind of protected me because mm -hmm. I was I was an adult. I was yeah. being forced to be an adult and have adult jobs and make adult decisions and take care of my family. Mm -hmm. And so that's why even Michael was like, he thought I was older oh. and I was so much younger, right? Because he's older than me. Is he older? Yeah, okay. by, just by two years. But okay. even when we met, like I remember him saying like, he didn't ask how old are you? He's like, he's not from here. He had like an accent, like a Southern accent. Cause he had just moved from like a college in Arkansas. So like, oh a, and he was just like, so uh, what college do you go to? And I'm like, I'm 18. If you want to know how old I am. Like I was so <laughs> sassy. It's true California. And oh I was like, um, I don't even know where your accent's from, but I'm 18. If you want to know how old I am. And I'm like, oh, and that, that was the start of our relationship. So you found time for him yeah. though. Yeah. You guys had this quick relationship. Yeah, super quick. You are married and now everything has kind of creeped back in. Yep. This eating disorder is now championing itself in your body. Yeah. Championing again and didn't take over so much because I kept, it was just a dark passenger. It was just yeah. something that like, I was just so used to having that mm -hmm. I actually didn't even realize I had an issue. Wow. But So did you know you had an eating disorder? Oh yeah. Just to give you a picture of how bad, like we would go to any party and I would check how the toilets flushed before. Oh, that, yeah. Just okay. in case if I felt heavy or if I felt yeah, stuff, if we're going to be, be here a long to. time, oh, this is going to turn into a game night. Like I'm not going to be able. Yeah. And that's because I just, I think never, ever felt hundred percent comfortable in my mm -hmm. own skin. Mm -hmm. And so there's like, even though I'm outgoing, you know me, I'm super outgoing. Super I'm super. Outgoing. And so that's why nobody ever even knew. Yeah. And I made sure to keep my calendar full. So I didn't have time to think. I didn't have time to sit with my feelings. And so feel that. that was even with my marriage, like we just had book scheduled. We both worked full time. We'd made sure we're traveling. We're doing all the things. And so it looks fun, but in the inside, I was still hurting and dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I still had family drama. My dad mm -hmm. still wasn't out. Like, you know what I mean? There's just all these things. Like I actually, I didn't want to have kids because I'm like, why would I bring them into this dark world? Because really? to me, my upbringing was really hard yeah. where Micah's wasn't. And so that was a thing where I'm like, we're still young. We're, you're still touring. Like we're like figuring things out. Like, why do we need kids? Like, but to me, I remember having a conversation like, why would I bring kids into this dark world. It's been really sucky for me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why would I want them to experience yeah. the shame and the hurt and the meanness of others? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, being disregarded. And so all these things. And then obviously that changed because we had children. Yes, you <laughs> but did. after six years of being married. And okay. I remember a year before I got pregnant, we had come from a party and I was really upset. And I felt, we weren't close with the people that were there, but I just felt less than. I think it was like his work people. And I just, I just felt like, I think there was a lot of like college questions or what do you do? And did, like, I, it made me feel mm, like, you know, it was yeah. the questions from the women within his company that made me feel like I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. And um, I put my self-worth in like, oh, I don't have a degree or I don't have this. It didn't yeah, matter that I was too. making more than Micah that. and working, yeah. right? And so it was just, I was made to feel less than. And yes. I think, 
you know, I was just like eating all the things, right? And in my head for so many years, I had a no list and a good list. Like I had good food, bad food type thinking. Food had moral value. Food had moral value. And so like yeah. if it, you even eat one thing off that list, even if it's one bite of French fries or a pizza or brownie, to me, yeah. that was a no. So like it triggered and I spiraled. Yeah. So I'm done for the rest of the night. I knew no matter what, if I had a bite of something on my no list, that's a mental thing in my head. Mm-hmm. there was going to be an end of either purging or like restricting for the next two days of not eating. Wow. And so, but we had come back and he, I was just so fired up because I didn't know how to process emotions. The food had set so long in my stomach. I couldn't even purge if I wanted to. And I felt heavy. I felt ugly. Yes. I felt ashamed. I felt like I wasn't good enough for him. And we just had a lash out fight. And he's like, where is this coming from? I shared with him, like, I wasn't able to purge. And, you know, that's just a thing. And we've already been married at this point. Eight years. Okay. No, six years. Six, six years. years. Yeah. Okay. So six but years. You were together for yeah. yeah. And I, we were only married. You know. Yeah. Right. Second. So we were we were married for six years. So he had no idea this whole time. Oh wow. And so for him though, like we woke up the next morning, everything's fine. I'm cooking breakfast, and so to him, he's like, okay, like was this just like a, like you kind of like he doesn't understand. He didn't understand yeah. anything, and so he's just like, well, you're acting fine. So if you're fine and happy, and we're just going to move forward from this, like why am I going to? Bring question you yeah. bring it up. So yeah. it was one of those things. And so we move forward and we have kids, got pregnant. And that was like, this is going to fix me because I would never do anything to hurt the baby inside of me. So I had the yes. healthy pregnancy, gained the weight, like so happy, loved my pregnancy. But thankfully I just had a great pregnancy. Great. Right. Like yeah. I was just like, I mean, I wasn't like the Heidi Klum where I could like use the little rubber band around my waist. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, when like the, your, your pants start stretching and people like tie the little rubber band under their regular the? jeans. I'm I like, know. who is that? Who can do that? I'm grateful for you. I'm proud of you. And I'm, <sighs> I'm happy for those out there that can do that. Oh no, I was like, I got to up it. got to size up. I got to get the belly bands. I got to maternity jeans, bands. Oh, all the things. Right. And so things. I loved it. Yeah. And I felt good. Yes. And I felt happy. Yes. Until I have a baby and you know, it comes with motherhood and the guilt and the shame oh, within motherhood yeah. and you're not doing enough. But what happened was for me is I didn't realize until I had my baby, my first baby, that I had closed off a huge part of my heart for a lot of years mm. to keep myself safe. That's Self-preservation. Yeah. yeah. And so those parts of my heart opened up by having a child because I didn't know how to love in that way. Yeah. So raw and so real. And what that did was like an overflow of just started bubbling up of like, I was drowning in it, even though there was joy. Yes. I didn't know even how to, you know, process joy and experience that. And I instantly felt like this is going to be taken from me. So I had catastrophic thinking for a long time. In the beginning of my marriage, two years, I thought my husband was going to die. So I had started planning on what my life would be without him. A lot of people don't understand that that's like such a real thing. Oh, catastrophic yeah. thinking is like no, a, it's it's a form of anxiety, but it, it mm-hmm. basically is like, and, and once you understand it and you can like put it there, like I had a friend who was, she'll go to work and she'll feel like her cats have somehow killed themselves. I do it all the time. Like I suddenly, one time my son was in like, an, we were somewhere and my son was somewhere else. And I was like, well, what if he eats something and he chokes? And Shane's like, has he ever eaten anything and choked in front of you? And I was like, no, but what if he chokes right now? And he's like, the chances of him actually (laughs) eating something and choking in this very 10 minutes that you're apart from him is so impossible. Like it's, it's not real, but catastrophic thinking, it's very hard for people to understand is like a real form of anxiety. And I'm wondering, because I don't know, but you can agree or disagree on this. I'm wondering if it's from people that have trauma or have lost something. Potentially, yeah. It's like that feeling of you never know and that that need for stability, right? Right. Even when you were talking about how much you loved your pregnancy body, I I have to relate to that as well because I was plus size. I was overweight and being pregnant made me feel so beautiful. And right, so you went from like thinness growing in your, and I went from like, 
being overweight, being pregnant, feeling so much worth in my body. And the second that baby was born, I was like worthless. Like that baby is out of me. I remember having feelings of jealousy that my baby was now shared with the outside world. There's a postpartum and the the conversations we have around it are so complex. They're so different. And and so many people have like, there's a reason why there's actually addictions to pregnancy because it's a time and a space where many women feel amazing about their bodies, like their bodies have worth. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to understand because a lot of people don't love pregnancy. They don't love the change. They don't love the differences. And postpartum looks so different for so many people, mentally, physically, emotionally. And you're right. Until we had these conversations on social media, a lot of us, like I I can't imagine how you would identify those types of feelings or or know that they weren't okay. So you're now like, you're in post, this is postpartum on baby one. Right. You're struggling. I'm struggling. And I realized I'm started doing the the dreaming and the thinking again. I'm not like, you know, everyone has like the, are they breathing? Check the breathing, put the mirror in front of their nose to see if you can see their breath. Like it wasn't that. It was, I'm not worthy of something good. All my life, things that were good were taken from me. Yeah. That's why I thought about my marriage. He's going to be taken from me. Yeah. And it took a long time for me to get to a place where I'm like, didn't have those dreams. Almost two and a half years with Micah. And then now I have a baby and like, it triggered something in me. Like I said, parts of my heart were reopened. And so like, I start having, going back to my childhood. Yeah. And like, how could you ever make decisions that would hurt your kids type thing? And so anger started refueling towards my dad, which I had already forgiven, but like, all this stuff, right? And so I didn't know how to process. I didn't have the tools. I never went to therapy. I never went to counseling. I never sought help. And so I just nursed gingerbread lattes, ate when I felt like it, and she was nursing and thriving. So to me, in my head, she's fine. Yes. Right? And then we move and we're in a new place in Orange County and we're away from family and friends and like Mike is taking over a new office and he's gone all the time and I'm pregnant with Vernon and put on bed rest with a 16 month old. Oh, whoa. And so it was just like this spiraling kind of thing where like I slowly realized like having that feeling of abandonment. Yeah. Because Micah was never home and I felt in a new place in a new space. Yes. And so again, triggers of things that I now know is that was a trigger, but I didn't know when I was going through it because I didn't have the tools, no, right? Of course. I was just, this is what I was experiencing. Absolutely. Um, my brothers were in a crazy car accident. We thought they almost died. And Wait, so, how many of them? Uh, two of them. Two or three. Two out of the three. Together. And so we flew out there, Michigan. And anyways, it was this whole thing where like, my grandfather died within that time. I'm on better. And they thought Vernon had Down syndrome. Okay. So it was a, a heavy pregnancy. Process. So it was not a beautiful pregnancy like Elsie's. Yeah. Because after Elsie, you know, I didn't realize I secretly was struggling again with an eating disorder, mm-hmm. but worse than before. Yeah. And so now I'm having a Vernon and trying so hard to be like eating all the things, having all the smoothies, eating all the nutrients, taking all the pills again, because I'm not, I'm going to make sure he's growing. And then when you find out he might have a heart thing or Down syndrome, and I was going to those appointments by myself because Micah couldn't leave the office. Again, abandonment. And I know that's normal. Women go to appointments by themselves, but like that wasn't the marriage we had. He had always shown up. And so now he was asked of his work to like do more. And he was climbing the corporate ladder. He was getting pats on the back, like achieving that. And I'm over here like, the mess of a wife, right? Yeah. Like not making him feel good and like yeah. having a scary pregnancy. And so it was just a hard season for us. Yeah. And Vernon came five weeks early. Oh, wow. And I yeah. guarantee you it was because I wasn't taking a good care of my body as I yeah. should have been, but also the stress and moving. He came the day we moved into our new house. So we moved Ooh, again. Do it. So we moved again oh, to be closer goodness. to the office yeah. where my husband was taking over. I went into preterm labor. Oh my goodness. That was um, so scary. It was so scary because one, I had just been checked and we're like, oh, we're good. Like, you know, Let's everything's go. look, you know. And so it was a 10 minute labor, <gasps> like at the hospital, like in the triage room, they checked oh, me and that's where he came. Gosh. I checked in at 810 and had him at 822. <gasps> So he was ready. Like it was, Micah was like, we're going to have this baby in the tub, like freaking out, right? Oh my gosh. So what comes with like 
you know, postpartum and like, I think even just even within pregnancy, if you're not mentally ready, there's depression within pregnancy too. And postpartum, you you just never know. But like, I think I wasn't mentally in a space to receive this baby. And he came so soon that I felt like I wasn't ready for him. I felt Mm. like I wasn't ready to be, I wasn't the best version of myself and I couldn't be the mom that he needed. And then I have a toddler. And you know, when you have that gap, you're like, the baby's needing you, but the toddler needs you because that's when they're starting to talk and toddle. craziest wasn't even two yet. I was a week late with two of my kids. And I remember being like, when is this baby coming? And the moment that I went into labor, I'm like, I'm not ready. So I can't imagine five weeks early. That feeling of I'm not ready is so overwhelming. It's actually crippling. And then to have to care to somebody else while also like your whole body is like in a train wreck and your emotions are all over the place. A newborn needs you. They feed for 45 minutes and they're off for two hours and then back for 45. Like it is a constant cycle of need. It is really, really, it's a blessing of a time, but it is crazy as hell. It is. It oh. is. I mean, that, that's how I'm like, women are warriors. Oh. With kids or not, we yeah. are. But you know it's, what I mean? But like, that, there's that season where that's when I spiraled and I didn't know I, was, I had postpartum depression and I wasn't getting enough nutrients. But here's the thing. I wasn't hurting myself because I was trying to be thin. I was, you know, I wasn't like, my mindset wasn't like, I'm dying to be thin. Mm. I was thin because I was dying inside. Yes. That makes so much sense. And I think a lot of people create vanity around eating disorders, which is yes. why I really love what you're saying is because it it actually is a lot more complex than that, yeah. right? And and I think, again, like people don't understand cutting. Like, why would somebody cut? Because I'm like, it's something they control and release. Like, there's so much more complexities to mental health things. And, and when we talk about, like, even suicide rates are the highest among anorexics out of any mental disorder that there is. The death rate is staggeringly high. 20% die within 20 years of suffering. But it stems from when your body is lacking nutrients, it actually struggles with mental health. You know what it's like to be hangry? And then you live like that for 17 years on top of trauma, on top of depression, on top of all of these other things, this pressure with your life and and to perform. And it does make sense why this would be something that at the end of the day, you did suffer from for so long and why healing was so entirely different. Yeah. And why healing and getting help was necessary. Yes. Because like you said, like this is my childhood thing, teenaging, college thing. Like I actually was like, after basically I was super sick with Vernon, right? Mm. It got to the point I was fainting. Right. And Micah had come home because I called him and said, I don't feel good. And he heard the phone drop. And he came home and Vernon was like, because he worked literally minutes away because that's yeah, why we moved yeah, closer. Yeah, moved closer. And I think Elsie had been napping like in her crib because she was two, you know? Yeah. And then but Vernon was on, on the chair next to me, maybe four months old at this time. And I was passed out. Oh my gosh. And so that's when Micah was like, what the heck is going on? And we went to the doctor and it was just kind of like, okay, what did you eat today? Like, they just didn't know, like, if, did I have a migraine? Like yeah. what happened, like, right? And they want to know, and it is postpartum. So they want to, and then they ask the question, like, is there past of eating disorders? I'm like, mm-hmm. And it was just like that awkward, like, I knew, I knew in my heart, like, I have to tell them that I, all I've had for the last three days is coffees and I've even thrown up the coffee. (gasps) Oh, hon. I don't even know that person, but I literally was like, I suck. I suck as a mom. I suck as a wife. I'm, I can't show up to friends. Like I felt like I couldn't do play dates. Skills. I couldn't even show up to play dates because I'm like, I don't know how people do this. Yeah. And, you know, and I lived in Orange County and it's like people wanted to meet at Disneyland and the beach and like, you know, all these things. I'm like, I can not even get out of bed. Yes. Yeah. So it you was just like, surviving. I was not measuring Your up again. Was doing I what it wasn't enough. You, yeah. Yeah. And so that was a mental thing. And then I was just like, I literally told myself, these kids deserve better. Oh, 
they deserve better. Did you have suicidal thoughts? I did w- during recovery for the first time okay. ever in my life. So at what point did you start recovery? After, after that <laughs> appointment. After that so appointment. about five months old, okay. um, Micah, someone in his Bible said he knew his mom was a therapist. I don't even know what he said that has an eating disorder and we're looking for someone in this area. Yeah. Because Micah actually still didn't even know the depth of it. He just knew like, you are not well. Yes. And then after coming from the doctor, they're like, okay, well, we need to figure this out, right? Like it was, and doctors are like, they kind of just send you on your way. Yeah. Like you should see someone about it. It's not like they kept me there. There was nothing like the kids weren't hurt. It's not like negligence or anything like that, but it was negligence to my own body, not Mm, to the kids, mm, right? You know what I mean? So I actually went to a doctor, an eating disorder, you know, doctor. She wanted to send me away to a treatment center in Utah. And I think there was another one in Colorado. Basically like pick your choice. These are the prices. You don't have a choice. They ran my blood. I had to wear one of those necklaces that you press when you like- In case you- Oh, I've seen commercials. Yeah, I fall in and I can't get up. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm I'm like 27 with two kids, a mom having to wear that because I was fainting. So I was malnourished. Yeah. And that was the breaking point for me where I'm like, I who am I? Mm. And like even like being told, I was never told by somebody else. Like even from Micah, for Micah to be like, you look sick. Yeah. I never received that from him. Yeah. And so that's when we started therapy and I got a whole team. And so I was like, I can't leave my babies. Yeah. I was going to say your husband's now climbing this career ladder. You're, you're already on your own here. Like, how did you even manage? So I said no. And so that doctor refused to work with me because she's like, you're in the black zone Mm. because of your age and how long you've had this. Like, this is, and like running my blood test and just seeing how like bad my, my vitamins, everything was off, right? Everything's off. And she's like, there's no way. And just hearing like how many times I was purging and restricting. She's just like, we need extensive. Yeah. You need to be in a treatment center. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I have kids. And then yeah. she's like, well, you're making the choice to not fight for your kids then. And I remember her making me feel so guilty and shamed that I started getting worse oh, until I found an amazing team that did an extensive outpatient treatment. Amazing. So that looked for a year and a half. Okay. Five days a week. Therapist twice a week. Nutritionist once a week. Getting my blood drawn once a week. Doctor checkup. Wow. Every single day, taking the babies with me, getting blood drawn. I felt like it's just, I didn't, wasn't my, wasn't the best version of myself having blood being drawn. I looked thin. I looked like I was on drugs, right? And I had babies with me. One is in a sling and one's next to holding my hand. for you. No, and um, so that's, I got worse before I got better. Yeah. Because now- 17 years, you know, like it's- It was my life. That's a long, but now a year, like when you hear 17 years versus a year and a half of having to do that daily, your year and a half, like your 17 years of doing other things daily, like it it wasn't pretty on either side. So I can understand like it was going to get worse before it got better. Oh yeah. And so after that year and a half, I kind of want to get into- why this third baby was a miracle baby. <laughs> okay, so during that, when I had started recovery, I was no longer, they deemed like unhealthy, mentally, yes. physically, no more babies. So that meant a vasectomy for Micah because he was actually had written out a will. It was so scary, the state I was in, that he was planning to be a single dad mm. because he said, we don't know how much so longer she'll be here. She might hit her head, her, it might have a heart yeah. attack, like yeah. cardiac issues because yes. of like the purging and the not eating, like it's restricting her organs are dying. Wow. And so- Mike, that was just so depressing. I felt like I've letting everyone down. So yes, so fast forward, I got worse before I got better. I lost 12 more pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's how bad. Through recovery. Yes, because now I'm in therapy and grief therapy. Yes. Peeling back the layers of why this has been so long. I never had restoration. I never had healing. I never got over the guilt and shame of having the family situation I came from and all the hurt and stuff that came in between that. And so I to have to deal with that and how to learn to sit in my feelings mm. was big for me and how to listen to food. Like, so there was a journey, yeah. right? And so there was, a, so it was really, really dark, but he had to get a vasectomy and that 
made me spiral because I was like, I thought we we're going to have a bigger family. And I felt like I'm just a worthless mom. Like I can't even have more kids because I'm sick. Yeah. Right. And so that's what happened. And then even for Micah, that was just a lot of that's trauma. A lot. It was that's a lot a of lot. trauma. And, you know, and now he's learning how to be remarried to a new me. It was a new me. Yeah. I lost a lot of friends in the process because a lot of people are like, you're different now. Or people didn't know. So they felt hurt that I didn't tell them. I'm like, nobody knew. I was married to this fool and he didn't know. Yeah. Like, right? Like, you know what I mean? Nobody knew. My parents didn't know. Like it it's was hidden a, very well. It's hidden very well. And yeah. so it's just like the fact that people were shaming me that they didn't know or that I had to realize like, you can't yeah. sit at my table anymore. Yeah. Right. Like, not like you can't sit with me type mentality, but no, like, but hey, like if you're not going to serve me and me and my growth and yeah. change boundaries, man, like you're not, you don't do to sit and eat with me. And healing is so, it is so singular in terms of like, everyone has like a different journey. Like some people need more and some people need less. And it, it really does look different. But I think like one thing to really take away from that point, when you say like your friends didn't know, and that was like hard for them to find out that they didn't know. And the fact that your own husband didn't know eating disorders and the stats that we see around them are so not complete. They're so <laughs> incomplete. It is so easily hidden. And there's so many different between like anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, which is like over obsession with like your health and fitness. And then there's like exercise bulimia where it's like you over exercise or over restrict afterwards. And then there's also binge eating. So like there's a lot of people existing in standard sizes that we see every single day or plus sizes. And we don't know that they're suffering from an eating disorder. There's not enough information out there because it's so hidden. It's right. so easy to hide. Oh, right. And, and the thing is too, I remember with my nutrition, and she's telling me like 85% of people, women especially, have disordered eating. Oh, Not gosh, technically yeah. an eating disorder, but disordered eating. Where like you feel like yeah. you, in order to eat that, whatever, you're going to go out tonight, you're going to work out, you're going to hit the gym because mm-hmm. you feel like you have to work out you just mm-hmm. to eat that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's disordered. It was funny when... I was first learning about eating disorders because I was never officially diagnosed with anything. My sister had a really long time eating disorder. So for me, hers made so much more sense. So I didn't understand my own issues around like food fear and stuff like that. So when it came down to it and somebody actually said like, something about disordered eating. I was like, well, I have that. I just don't have an eating disorder. (laughs) The second you say like, oh, disordered eating, and you realize how skewed you are in eating an everyday meal, it feels like it connects a lot more people. And it's at least a stepping stone before you can go and get potentially a bigger diagnosis and to get the help that you essentially need. And like you said, there's such a stigma around it too. There is. Right. And so like when friends are like hurt by this, I'm like, you're hurt that I'm getting better and saving myself to be alive for my family. Like, I'm sorry. Like that, those are the people like, you just, you can't move forward with me. Of course. If you're not for yes. me, then you're not, you know. Exactly. If you're not cheering me on. And then that was really hard. So that all these things add to like, now I can't have more kids. Yeah. Now friends are leaving my circle. Like, you know, so there's self-worthiness all tied in there. So it's really, really hard. But I had a miraculous one and a half year recovery, which is insane because they thought it was minimum five years because of wow. the trauma and having wow. a 17 years at that point. You worked for it though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was literally, I was like, this, it's not about me anymore. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about me and my suffering. It was like, I have to get well from my family. There's kids yeah. now. Yeah. Like it yeah. wasn't, you know what I mean? So Micah had the vasectomy. He took on a nationwide position. We moved to Nashville. But before we moved to Nashville, because I recovered mm-hmm. and he met with my therapist because he had to do therapy sessions and learning to know the yes. new me and how to come alongside me and champion me. Good and for him. Um, because I was different. Mm-hmm. I was very different in a good way, but still sometimes not maybe as fun because now it's serious. Yeah. Now I have to sit in my feelings. Now I have to like think about how I feel after I'm eating, right? Like it's like- Not living in that bubble uh, anymore. Yeah. But he- found out like, she's great. Like if you want to have more kids, like that type of thing, like got the okay. And he went to his doctor that gave him the surgery. And because it was within the five-year time, he had a 99% chance that we can conceive again and (gasps) he could reverse it for sure. I didn't know it was that high and odd. 
for it, for us and what he did, I think he did a laser one. So okay. I think there's different ones. Okay, okay. I'm yeah. not, actually, no. we should take that back because no. I don't even know which one he got. <laughs> He's like, yeah, right, babe. I got the hard one <laughs> and it hurt. Don't, don't you. Here's your bag yeah. of peas, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he surprised me. It was my Christmas gift that year before moving oh. to Nashville. He did a 12 days of Christmas. And on the 12th day, he had little gifts each day. Um, and they were all funny and random, like ridiculous. But that one was so special. He's like, he had the paperwork for me to sign for him to have the reversal. Oh my gosh. And that is like the most hilarious Christmas gift ever, by the way. Like, <laughs> hey baby. Surprise. Surprise. You're like, getting sperm. You're getting sperm. <laughs> 12 drummers drumming. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was like, how does this go? I think he had it oh taped to like gosh. a little dr- a little kid's drum because no. he couldn't figure out how to do it. I'm like, really? This is what we're doing? And he got me like a swan for the front yard that we still have, by the way. Oh my gosh. Like, anyway, so that was amazing. So like you instantly think we both got checked out. We're thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to start our family. We're grow up. We're moving to Nashville. We're going to grow our family. And that didn't happen. Mm. And he's traveling. And like, anytime I think I can conceive, like he's gone. Um, And so we changed a lot of our lifestyle. That's why I homeschooled because we homeschooled for two and a half years on the road with him. We flew everywhere. I homeschooled at hotels. It worked great for our family. Um, A lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard stuff. We bought this home. We were like, we're staying in Nashville. Went through a crazy, stressful remodel. That tested our marriage more than ever. Girl, I tried to hang up wallpaper once and I nearly divorced my husband. And he was traveling and I was here and we got actually put in a lawsuit. So we were, just to paint a picture, we were almost in squatter status. So he was gone. I'm with the two kids. All four of us shared a room for 14 months mm. because we had a remodel loan. And so we thought it, it demoed the whole house. We didn't do one section right. time. So the whole right. house didn't have right. electricity. Oh, so I had to cook on a hot plate for 11 months. I showered at the YMCA with my kids for nine months. Oh, I want to like grab and you in a blanket. I'm so tired. <laughs> I know. For you. I, and oh then during gosh. that time, I got really, really sick and was testing for cancer for four months. Oh my goodness. So it was a really, was really it hard- Was stress-induced? No. I mean, I was, I was stressed. And so they thought that was the lymph node. Mm. The, I was swollen lymph nodes everywhere from my neck to genitalia gotcha. area to like yeah. my feet, my legs, my shins. And so they thought it was a manifestation of the stress. Mm. Um, but then my blood count was off. Okay. Um, and I was just really sick. And so anyway, fast forward is we are sharing a room. So just picture this. Mike is traveling all the time. I'm testing for cancer. And four days after New Year's, I just am throwing up a lot. And I, like so sick. And I'm like, just even like smelling like champagne during New Year's made me sick. Like oh, I just was not everything. doing well. Yeah. And then I realized, hmm, when was the last time I had, this is not even on my radar. It's not even because we're not trying because we're just trying to like one, make it to keep our marriage together. Yeah. Keep our kids from not having anxiety and like yeah. get through this lawsuit and finish this house. You're trying was, to make meals off a hot plate. Off like, a hot come plate. On, Dear Lord, it was insane. I just took a text. I'm like, when was the last time? I'm like, I think it was in New York when we were in Thanksgiving was the last time I've had my cycle. Right. And yeah. I was like, yep. Because I remember shopping in Zara and that's when I started. So I can remember clear as day <gasps> when the last cycle was. Right. And so TMI, but yeah. I take the test. Sure enough, like, boom. I just scream for Micah. I'm shaking because I'm like, this can't happen. Because like, I mean, we're in a really hard spot right now. And I'm like, how is this happening? And Micah comes in. He sees it like, one, what are you doing taking a pregnancy test? Because I hadn't even let him know like this is happening. He looks at it and he just starts crying happy tears. Picks me up, spins me around and was like, oh my gosh. That's our miracle babe. It's our sunshine baby. Yes. And so that's why her name is Marjorie Gold. Yeah. So even before we found out it was a girl, he knew it was a girl. He claimed it and spoke that and called her Goldie. And the most powerful thing about her birth story, because it's just a full restoration, redemption and healing of like, I've come so far, now I'm healed and healthy. We can grow this family. But also her birthday was the day that the SWAT team came in and took my life. And my life changed. So August has been for almost 
20 years, I have a really, that I know it's crazy, like all these hard things I'm talking about, but this gets me emotional. Yeah. August is a really hard, had always been a really hard month for me because it triggered like when I lost my world, right? My world yeah. just got flipped upside down and forever changed. And so it's always been a time where even Micah goes, therapy shop, go, like yeah. plan trips. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. did stuff in August because it was, it would kind of spiral me into even September and into the holidays, like yeah. it, depending on how bad the memories were. And even after therapy and grief therapy and all this stuff, August has always been hard. Of course. And not definitely time. And it's the day after my dad's birthday. So my yeah. dad's August 27th. Yeah. And Marjorie Gold was born August 28th, the day my world changed, now forever changed. And now it's oh a month goodness. of celebrating. I love this. A month of celebrating. A month. And she's just been the biggest joy. You know what I mean? Even for the big kids and everything. But it's just such a like, gosh, God is so good. Like that was such a story of like, you can't make that up. You yeah, can't plan you that. Can't. Yeah, How no. was she born on the day that, you know, 20 years prior, my literally world changed for the worse. Yes. And now my world's changed for the better. You know what I love about all of this though? And just like knowing you and having seen you for so long, it was so easy for me to paint the picture that you had the perfect life, mm. that you had the perfect family, the perfect life, the perfect home while well, you do damn well. Have the <laughs> home, but like just knowing the depths of the work you have put in and the time that you, and the efforts that have been made to come to this place of wellness. And not only that, but like being able to see it tangibly alive and well in you and in your soul and in your spirit, like you're here today because you put in that work. And it is like, there's no like 17 years, 17 years. Like that's an entire lifetime for mm -hmm. some people. And you put in the work to like flip that and, and change that. How are you today? How is it today? <laughs> today, I'm probably the best I've ever been. That's amazing. And I mean, and that's coming from like, I have a six, 17 month old. Right. And so it's like, I'm tired. Right. I'm not so sleeping. Cute, I know. The thing is I'm still small. And so mm -hmm. I'm very discredited when it comes to being recovered. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, you're thin. So you must still be struggling, which is no, not the case yeah, for me. Not the case. And so I've had to like, you know, close my ears off to that yeah. and just the naysayers and whatever. So when I say this, I think this is offensive to people where I'm like, my body's completely different than what it was, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's uncomfortable in certain ways because yes, I know I'm small, but like I have all the stretch marks. Yeah. I'm saggy. I'm yeah. in my 30s. I had the other two in my 20s where I could yeah. bounce back, even though like, yes, I had an eating disorder. So of yeah. course I got back, but like, you're still in your 20s. Your skin yeah. has more elasticity. Oh, like, you know so what I mean? So it's difference. different. And so I feel like sometimes, and I've, just for others out there, like you feel like you can't talk or say like, I'm uncomfortable in something. I, I'm not saying I don't like my new body. Yeah. I love my body. I'm so happy. Yes. I feel curvier, even though I'm still sticky, but like I feel curvier. Yeah. I feel beautiful yes. because like my kids are thriving. Yes. My husband's thriving. Like we still have hard lives. We still have hard decisions yeah. to make. We have things ahead of us. Like we understand that like, but, but my, our circumstances don't define us anymore. Yes. Yes. How could they after all right? of that, right? And so it's just kind of like, I'm so happy. And cause you know, I love vintage. Yes. And so this is the first time like I had to make a decision where like, this is not going to fit me. Even though I'm small, I don't even, I haven't had a scale in eight years. So I don't know how much yeah. I weigh, but I just know yeah. with clothes fit, they fit, they don't fit, they don't yeah. fit. But it's like, yeah. I can't get any smaller. My hips aren't going anywhere. They've been stretched to the max, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and my ribs, they're not going back in. And so I have to sell these, but it wasn't sad. It's like, I get to buy new vintage now. Yes. I get yes. to celebrate a good buying new things. I just feel like that's an exciting thing for me to know, like I get to buy 
things that fit my body now that's serving me and serving my family well. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's and the bounce forward. It's the bounce forward. And just to know like, hey, it's still uncomfortable sometimes. And there's still certain things I try to make work, but there's no yeah. stretch in vintage and you can't. And but so it's like, just because I'm bummed out, it doesn't mean I'm unhappy or I'm yeah, triggered or absolutely. I'm going to start restricting or purging. I just think it's okay for people to know, like, it's okay to learn to be uncomfortable with something. Yes. Yeah. It's just like going to a party. Like just, it doesn't mean you don't like it and you're not having fun there. It might be uncomfortable because you don't know anybody there, but you're going to yes. come, it's going to come around. There's, and, and you're I gonna, read right? recently that it's totally, it's normal to have grief around your body. It's normal to grieve something old into something new. Like these are all normal things. And I think I agree with you. There's a lot of women who are dismissed because they're thin. How could you possibly, but knowing the depths like, and even knowing like yours hasn't been tied to body image, but it's still there. And there's still that part of like, your body is a foreign part and that's no longer something that you're controlling in that same way. And with that, the absence of control will be uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that as humans, we don't sit with. We don't sit with being alone very well. We don't sit with discomfort well. We don't sit with change well. But when we actually get in those space and we sit with it and we're willing to say, I am uncomfortable, that's valid. I am. I don't love being alone. That is valid. But it is. we're still doing the work. We're still doing the things and we're still showing up in that discomfort, in that loneliness and, and showing up for ourselves time and time again, even when it doesn't look so perfect. And it, it's not like, and pain is so relative. Like I say this all the time, but I heard this on a podcast once where it's like, you can have a migraine and stub your toe and it's still going to hurt. And I was like, that's so valid. Like people can struggle in their bodies, no matter what size they are, no matter the circumstances that they're in. It, it looks so different for everyone. And I'm just so done with the shaming when yeah. it comes to somebody's healing process and yep. what that looks like. Yeah. And but people, I'm, yeah, people discrediting your healing process yes. because it doesn't look how they think it should look or assume it mm, should look or yes, how you yeah, should look yeah. after your healing. Like, I didn't know there was like a prototype of like, yeah. this is the finished outcome of what someone looks like after healing from an eating disorder, right? Oh, for sure. You know, so I'm like, I, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that there were, I was supposed to, oh, I didn't know there was a size I was supposed to hit right? that meant like I'm completely healed. Right. Versus like, you don't know my heart and the work that's been done and how happy Absolutely. we are. And like genuinely happy. Genuinely happy. Not like filling my time to seem happy. Yes. And, you know, and because grief and joy coexist, right? And so oh like, gosh. you can have yes. all that even yes. now, like I'm still gonna have days where I'm just like, oh. I just got to get out of these sweatpants. I have to, like, I just got a spray tan, which I'm super stoked about. Freaking love I well, love organic tan. and plant-based, by the way. I love it. Super I safe. Love, oh, but like, I was just like, I just, love a faux tan. I'm going to Florida tomorrow. I'm like, I just am pale. Yeah. And that's not me. Like, I'm yeah. a Californian by day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just want to feel, and I just think like, that's okay. Like, it's yeah. one of those things where- Hair and I, makeup, it's okay. Whatever, I love it. I love hair and makeup. Whatever we can do <laughs> that makes us feel good about yeah. ourselves, we need to not create shame around because it's these, such an authority over our bodies and over our choices. And it can be so cool to make those choices for ourselves. And, and in a world that is always trying to break us down, always trying to like find that one little wedge of something that might be wrong. And, and again, like people might look at you and say like, well, it's just the perfect life and perfect person. Like how dare she? But there's so much to you. And- Damn, I'm just so real. I'm real happy for you. I Thank really, you. really am. I, I appreciate that. And I love that you did say like from the outside, I that has probably been the biggest thing. And the biggest thing from me even speaking out about this is because yeah. what it, it's perceived yes. as my life. And the thing is, because, you know, take the cannoli. I don't know if you know that that's from, it's from The Godfather. No. Okay, so take the cannolis from The Godfather. So even when I had a blog, I think people think it, thought it was a baking thing and they came yeah. on there like, what is, what's going on? Oh, it's lifestyle. Oh, she's talking about things. Cool, that's boring. <laughs> um, so, like, oh. so basically it's a scene where, you know, they are going to take someone out, kill them. Mm. That's on an opposite family that they're, you know, he kills them in the backseat and he says, leave the gun 
take the cannolis because they were on their way to a party. Oh my god! And gosh. so, but the thing is with the author, when you've, I've read all the books, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, but yeah. like, um, basically it's leave what's done and move forward with what's good. Oh, I actually really love that. And that's what I took away from that. And that's when yeah. I started blogging is when I was going through recovery. And that, yeah. that's what I changed my name to. Cause I'm like, I'm leaving what's in the past and I'm moving forward with what's good. The cannoli. Well, guys, I'm so bummed that we even have to end this. It's been such a good conversation, but I want everyone to kind of follow along with who you are. And I know just like a disclaimer, like she doesn't really talk about this stuff a lot, but I think now knowing her story, it's going to make you so excited to see where (laughs) her life is and how bright and cheerful and beautiful it is. And I've watched your content for so many years and it has brought me nothing but joy. Mm. And I think that that speaks a lot into who you are and what you're putting out there into the world. So tell everyone where they can find you so they can follow along as well. I am on Instagram, take the cannoli. And I think I'm underscore actually. So take, take the, the cannoli, cannoli and then underscore afterwards. Yeah. But if you search it, you're the one that comes up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I'm not blogging or anything right now yeah. anymore. So, but yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at. I know. I, I always say I'm a blogger, but I really don't do it. I know. I've like, my posts are long enough and in depth enough that I'm like, it's yeah. basically like a blog post. It's like mini I want a blog, now. but I don't have the time and capacity <laughs> for it right now. <laughs> I mean, you got a lot going on. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like this has been an opening and a beautiful thing that you've created for people to be able to feel safe and share about things in, yeah. you know, a community that is so beautiful that you're doing. And I've known you from like when you had no followers and now you're almost at a million, which is amazing. And you're just so true to you. And it's so beautiful. But this is, even my husband knew like, this is going to be an opening door for you to be able to share more comfortably with that. Because I do get a lot of questions and I want people to feel safe to ask me. It doesn't bother me. I have friends like that ask me hard questions. I'm like, I love talking about it. Yeah, I love helping others know like you're not alone. Yes. So you will see more of this on my feed. I'm so so. excited for it. It, it, Honestly, your recovery is one that I've never seen and been more in awe of before. And it really only did come out when, you know, your baby was born and a lot of that conversation around it was, was really, really stunning. And Anyways, I just love you and I, love I you. appreciate you so much. So guys, go check her out. Take the cannoli on Instagram and you got to see this damn house too. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Thank you again. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.